This is Matt Raymond at the Library of Congress. Each year, thousands of book lovers of all ages visit the nation's capital to celebrate the joys of reading and lifelong literacy at the National Book Festival, sponsored by the Library of Congress and hosted by First Lady Laura Bush. Now in its eighth year, this free event held on the National Mall, Saturday, September 27th, will spark readers' passion for learning as they interact with the nation's best-selling authors, illustrators, and poets. Even if you can't attend the festival in person, you can still participate online. These podcasts with well-known authors and other materials are available through the National Book Festival website at www.loc.gov slash bookfest. Now my honor to talk with internationally recognized music legend, humanitarian, and now children's author, Dionne Warwick. Ms. Warwick is an acclaimed five-time Grammy Award-winning singer who has also devoted countless hours to humanitarian efforts, serving as a United Nations Global Ambassador for Food and Agriculture, and for several years as the U.S. Ambassador for Health. She's an inspiration to millions, and her new book released this month, Say a Little Prayer, encourages kids to find their best talent in life and embrace it. Ms. Warwick, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you for making the time. Uh, uh, we're very much looking forward to uh, your appearance on September 27th. Uh, what, uh, what can folks expect to hear from you? Well, uh, basically anything they want to hear <laughs> with regards to the book, of course. Um, I am uh, pretty new at this, uh, but it seems to be striking a, a wonderful chord with people. They seem to be enjoying what they're seeing and reading, and that's the that was the object of writing the book. Tell us a little bit about the book. Say a little prayer. I uh, look at it as an inspirational type of a book where uh, you follow little D, who happens to be me. Um, through a period of time and how she knew her neighbors and uh, interacted with them and had a dream and followed it. And that is basically what this is about, inspiring. And I can't think of any better group of people to inspire than children to follow their dream and to know that everything is absolutely possible. What uh, motivated you to write this book? Actually, a friend of mine did. Um, Dave Woolley, who is also uh, a part of uh, the writing of the book. He um, knew that an autobiography was just not something I was really interested in doing based on the fact that most publishers want a book that is just not in me to write. And uh, he said to me one afternoon, why don't you just write about what you know, like children? And that sparked an interest, and I said, okay, I think I can do that. And the inspiration, of course, came from my childhood and how wonderful it was. So, um, And my mantra, if you can think it, you can do it, was something my grandfather used to tell me all the time. And I feel it's something that our kids need to hear now. Did you, when you were growing up, did you have any mentors or any people that, that encouraged you? My family. Yeah. Yes, my, my family has always and will always be uh, a mainstay in my life. Did you learn anything about yourself, maybe anything that was something that was unexpected when you went through the process of writing this book? You know, uh, no. You know, what I did did enjoy most of all, I think, was remembering, you know, reminiscing and, and, and feeling the way that I felt when I was a child. I had an incredible childhood, and it's something that I would wish 
for every single child being born and or those who are with us today could have. It was full of love and adventure and um, information. It was just a wonderful childhood. With obviously your career as a as a creative artist, is it a natural transition to to write a book? No, I don't know because I'm so new at this. Mm -hmm. um, I would think that um, most people do want to know about you, but I don't know if, if writing is the next evolution. In my case, my next step will be hopefully Broadway. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to that. Thank you. Um, and and I assume that with writing this book, it's it's a chance to introduce new generations to you. Or what do you tell uh, young people when uh, uh, when they look to you for inspiration? Perhaps uh, following your own uh, career path or following their own their own dreams. Well, that's that's basically what I tell them. That that is their dream to follow, not mine. And uh, if you really want it then you go for it. You know, dreams are something that we all have. And to bring them to fruition, you have to work at it. You know, it isn't given to you. You earn it. I want to talk about some of your other areas of your life, if, if we could. Um, uh, obviously, uh, you're a pioneer in, in music, a, a hit maker. Tell us a little bit about how you got started. Well, I met Bert uh, Backrack and Hal David. I've been, first of all, let me tell you this. I've been singing all my life. So singing has not been new to me. I come from a singing family. Um, my professional career began as a background singer, doing those lovely oohs and ahs and yeah yeahs behind recording artists. And that is where and how I met Burt Backrack first. He had written a song for the Drifters, and my group was doing background for that particular session. And he approached and asked me if I would be interested in doing more demonstration records and songs that he'd be writing with a songwriting partner named Hal David. And I said, certainly, as long as it didn't interfere with my education, because my mother just would not stand for that. And uh, one thing led to another. I recorded, and the demonstration record was presented to Scepter Records, and Scepter wanted the voice and not the song, and <laughs> so it began. Mm. Now, for folks who don't know, you have achieved a, a record-setting number of uh, hits on the Billboard Hot 100. What has kept you motivated and, and inspired you musically over the course of your career? I, I think more than anything else, doing what I really love and enjoy doing and seeing the results of it by looking into an audience and seeing a bunch of smiling faces and also hearing some wonderful sounds coming from the audience singing with me. You received your first Grammy in, in 1968, and in doing so, you became the first African-American solo female artist of your generation to win uh, the award for Best Contemporary Female Vocal Performance. How important was that to you personally, and, and how relevant is that uh, uh, for that particular moment in your life? Well, looking back, um, first of all, it was very exciting to win a Grammy. But um, looking at it today, um, and thinking about it, which I never did until recently, that um, it kind of opened a door for African-American recording artists, that there was room in the contemporary areas of the Grammys or anywhere else on the charts for 
African-American music musicians and, and recording artists that they were not completely kept in that little box called R&B. You were often considered a, a pioneer in that uh, uh, your career has cultivated pop music that infuses rhythm and blues and soul and gospel elements, uh, while also challenging, I guess, audiences' notions of culture and generation and, and race. Were you aware, uh, or, or has it been a conscious effort on your part, I guess, to break these boundaries? Not really. I just happened to be singing a type of music that crossed all barriers. Now, it, it, it's been four decades since you came onto the scene as, as a music artist. How far do you think the industry has come since uh, you first begun? Oh, my. <laughs> well, now with the, in, the advent of uh, the computer, it, it has it's taken a complete 360. Um, live musicians are almost obsolete, which is a shame. Um, that's where most inspirations happen in the studio when you have interaction between what's going on in a live vernacular. You know, when you put it in a computer, it, there's very little you can do to change anything. Um, it's um, it's a progressive time that we're in, and of course, music is of progressive nature. So um, it's it's changed tremendously. Do you do you prefer live performances uh, to recording in a studio, or do, do you favor one over the other? No, they're two different arenas altogether. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the studio, you're singing to a microphone, not mm -hmm. to an audience. And when you're singing to an audience, you get immediate re reaction. And um, so, you know, they're both enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I think some singers are, you know, reluctant, I guess, uh, uh, to to sometimes appear in front of an audience. But but you, I guess, you draw energy and, and inspiration from that feedback. Right, and you know, people only come to see you when they they want to. And I've been so truly blessed that um, I'm still able to give people what they have come to see and hear. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, again, the word pioneer, I think, is used a lot for you. And I, you know, I want to talk about uh, uh, your work with humanitarian efforts as well. Um, we talked a little bit about some of your work with the United Nations and with uh, uh, your work as U.S. Ambassador for Health. Talk about that a little bit, if you could. Uh, I was appointed U.S. Ambassador of Health uh, for the United States by during the Reagan administration. And I served as, in that capacity, until the first year of the Clinton administration. Um, my mandate was a personal mandate that I gave myself, and that was the AIDS issue at that time, which was running rampant. And I felt that um, my mission was to not only make people aware, but to educate. And uh, I, I think I did a pretty good job. <laughs> and. Um, I'm still very, very much involved, um, not inside of the government any longer, but as an advocate for those who are still servicing and providing information and and uh, uh, aid to those who are in need. You, uh, again, uh, very early, I think, in, in efforts to uh, raise AIDS awareness, uh, I'm thinking in particular your recording of That's What Friends Are For. Uh, 
was there a particular uh, personal reason behind why you became so involved in, in those particular efforts? or, or Yes, it was. Um, you know, losing a lot of people, people that I didn't know and some that I did, and not really knowing why, um, kind of piqued my interest in, you know, what what's going on. Um, and as a result of that, um, I was always the one who wanted to know everything. I'm nosy enough to ask questions. And I think that probably led to my becoming the ambassador of health of the United States for this particular purpose. Um, I, I think we lost first within our, my industry some brilliant talents in, in all vernaculars in the hair, makeup, um, mm. light, sound, cameramen, camerawomen, um, and it just became so crazy that I think making people aware that something really bad was going on that we could do something about was primarily my, my uh, mandate. So that I set about doing that. And I assume, uh, as the title Global Ambassador for Food and Agriculture implies, that must deal with uh, hunger and, and perhaps poverty issues? Yes, it does. You know, and, and it's the same thing, you know, keeping people's minds focused on, you know, why we really were put here on this earth was to be a service to each other. And, and I'd assume there's a lot of uh, international travel involved with that. What are what are some of the types of things that you've seen, uh, and, and have you seen things that have given you cause for hope, I think, rather than... Yes, I have. Um, you know, fortunately, enough people have now shown how much they really do care and have gone far and wide to teach people how to clear water, how to grow food, how to take care of their health. And, you know, these are primary issues that we learned as children that a lot of people are not uh, given the privilege of learning or at least um, putting into practice. So I have seen some wonderful improvements, but there's still so much left to do. Now, you've also spearheaded the development and production of a history book that will detail African and African-American history for use in schools, uh, libraries, and, and bookstores throughout the world. What can you tell me about that project? Well, you know, it's like everything else. While I was in school growing up, I was required to learn about uh, European history and American history. And it was quite noticeable, especially within the American history, that the African-American, as I mean, there's so many names that we have now, uh, the, there was basically nothing. We basically sprouted up out of the ground like a beautiful tree as opposed to having a history, and yet there's so much um, that there is to learn about me. So I felt that if I had to learn about other nationalities, then it was time for them to understand and learn about me and those that look like me. Do you think the educational system is, is evolving and in, in sort of taking that more inclusive uh, approach? If they're not, they well should be. Hmm. And and. and Presumably, this would uh, this project would help with that. No doubt. You know, I think uh, having the the history book as a part of the curriculum in all all schools, not only in the primary grades, but taking it straight up through into uh, the secondary levels of, of education, 
um, and into our colleges, and not only in the United States, but worldwide. Dionne Warwick, uh, we appreciate you taking time to talk with us. Before we let you go, uh, what is, what's next for you? What's coming up? Well, I have a new CD out. It's a gospel CD entitled Why We Sing, uh, which I'm extremely proud of. I consider it a family affair. I'm doing uh, duets with B.B. Winans and with my son, David Elliott, with my sister, Dee Dee Warwick, and with my church choir. So it was a bundle of joy to do. And um, I think, without a doubt, it's probably some of my best work. You mentioned Broadway earlier. Might we be seeing you on the stage? I certainly hope so. You know, that's something that I've always wanted to do. And, uh, you know, that kind of will fulfill another portion of my dream, the Oscar, the Emmy, and the Tony. And are there any future books that we might be able to look forward to? Yes, there, there will be another book next year. Another children's book? It'll be a book as the Little D Grows Up. Well, wonderful, a sequel. Mm -hmm. Well, Dionne Warwick, once again, uh, thank you, and we, uh, we appreciate your speaking with us today. My pleasure. And we are excited to hear more from you. That's at the National Book Festival on Saturday, September 27th on the National Mall from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Mm -hmm. The event is always free and open to the public. For more details and a complete list of participating authors, visit www.loc.gov bookfest. From the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., this is Matt Raymond. Thank you for listening.